Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Ports, I'm with you on a Thursday afternoon, a beautiful Thursday afternoon. It feels, it feels like, it feels like the playoffs should be going on right now in Columbus, Ohio. You know, you know those days, you remember those days where the weather is getting warm and you're going into the ring for a playoff game? Magical. Um, so this, this weather is as much as it's great to have the windows open, it's kind of sad because it reminds you of what's not going on this year. The Blue Jackets host the Penguins tonight. They host the Buffalo Sabres tomorrow and this season, this miserable season, this most disappointing season, fair, uh, will come to an end. If they lose both games, it will be by points percentage, the worst season uh matching the worst points percentage they've ever had in a season they they're clearly well past the worst goal differential they've ever had minus 114 heading into the final two games think about that um you know what this is about blue jackets are currently last in the nhl i think there are a lot of people who would be just fine if they stayed there. Um, but these last two games against Pittsburgh and Buffalo are going to be interesting. Penguins, of course, were eliminated last night. It'll be very interesting to see how they play tonight because I believe this is this is the first experience for Crosby and Malkin and Latang um, when it comes it comes to playing games that don't matter. I think this is the first game they've ever played where they're eliminated from the playoffs. So that'll be interesting. Buffalo is, is eliminated as well. Um, but so who knows what happens in these games? My God, Chicago beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh when Pittsburgh desperately needed a win. That's why it's just so impossible to say how these games are going to go. Um, the Blue Jackets will have some wrinkles in the lineup tonight for New players making their NHL debuts. I think the the lead of that group is defenseman Stanislav Svozl, who had an incredible season in Regina, was named the Western Hockey League's uh, Eastern Conference Defenseman of the Year. Um, I think he had, if I'm remembering correctly, 1167-78 this year and played and played very well with Connor Bedard. Oh, maybe I'll... I'll read a quote in this podcast, I'm, I'm sure at some point, of Bedard speaking of Svozl. had a great conversation with Bedard when I was out in Regina earlier this year. And he was very, he, he was very diplomatic and kind about it, but he wasn't saying just nice things about Svozl. He was pointing out, without trying to pat himself on the back or without trying to alienate 
any of his teammates that Sposal has the ability, and scouts have said this. His own coach, John Paddock, has said this. Sposal's one of the guys on that Regina Pats team, there aren't many, who could keep pace and think the game at the same pace as Bedard does. And so that's quite a compliment. Um, other players into the lineup tonight making their NHL debuts, Tyler Angle, uh, Mikhail Putia, I can say that, and defenseman Samuel Kanazko. Um, other players were called from Cleveland, Unilowoto and Billy Sweezy. So this lineup is, is um, boy, they've been makeshift for a little while here, and it's going to look that way the last two games. Jack Roslovic did not skate this morning. Um, it's a maintenance day, although the, the way the way Brad Larson put it was a little different. Um, he didn't just say maintenance day. He said um, he's taking care of his body. So I'll go with maintenance day. And he thinks he's going to play tonight. Even if he does play, the Blue Jackets are aligned in an 11-7 formation. So um, that's what it looked like against Pittsburgh. To my knowledge, Pittsburgh is playing their guys tonight. Crosby, Malkin, Latang. I guess we'll get official word on that as we get closer to the game. Um, as is always the case with this podcast, you guys set the conversation. You can step on the stage and ask a question, and you can, or you can post it uh, via text here on the app. Uh, we're coming up on a hundred listeners, it looks like, so we got a pretty good crowd. I expect a lot of good answers or good questions from you today. Hopefully, I can provide good answers. Um, and we'll continue to do these after the season is over, at least for a few weeks, um, because it's going to be very interesting. I think it's going to be an incredibly interesting summer. Of course, May 8th is the lottery. Um, something to to really whew, count the days down uh, for that. I'm surprised, frankly, that the league is making people wait wait that long. But I, I guess uh, Gary and company have a, a flair for the dramatic. One thing also to keep an eye on tonight is I know people are going to be freaking out about the Blue Jackets and wanting to win or not win this game against Pittsburgh. Um, Chicago's Jonathan Taves is playing his officially his last game with the Blackhawks. Uh, they announced as an organization today that they had a difficult discussion with their longtime captain, that he will not be resigned. This is his last game. It could be his last game in the NHL period. I don't think that would surprise anybody anyways. Um, but I think you're seeing, you're going to see a hell of an effort from Chicago tonight at home against a pretty poor Philadelphia team. So I would not be shocked if the the uh, Blackhawks get yet another win and send Jonathan Taves off in style. So something to keep in mind. You'll be scoreboard watching tonight for sure. Uh, if you are in Nationwide or if you're simply watching from home. Let's get to the questions. Um, we've got two people on stage. We can certainly take a couple of more. Uh, we'll go first to James B., and then we'll get some. Uh, we'll go uh, to Andrew Y., and then we'll get to some questions in the text field. Uh, James, you are on front of Nationwide. Go ahead. So two quick questions. Yep. What's the over-under on the number of minutes played by the bottom six slash, well, five? and the bottom five defensive players this evening. And the other one is Akbar or CSKA? <laughs> um, so, I mean, I would suspect that you're still going to see a lot of Gaudreau, Karali, and Marchenko. It's probably not the answer you're looking for. Um, 
But I also think Lar- Brad Larson is not in a position to protect guys because you can't with this lineup, right? There's too many guys that if you, if you went about it in that way, you'd spend the entire night protecting because uh, there's just so many guys in this group that are green and, and untested. So you're going to see – you'll see some curious matchups, but I think whenever Crosby and Malkin, those guys are on the ice, they're going to try to get their NHL guys out against them. And as the home team, they'll have the second line change. So they could maybe do a little better job of that than if they were in Pittsburgh. Um, as for this, the uh, second one, I assume you're referring to the KHL final. Um, and it's, it's yes. great. The best part of it all is that Voronkov's played really, really well. And him and he and Radulov have been yeah. on fire through the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Voronkov is his contract runs through May first. So hopefully it'll be like Marchenko Part Two, where early this summer the Blue Jackets will get some good news. The expectation is that he's coming to North America next year. And let's be honest, everyone's ex- excited about the draft as well. They should be. Everyone's fired up about Texier coming back. Um, Think about what an impact Marchenko has made. I'm not sure if Voronkov is, is going to match that. He's not. He's probably not going to match it offensively. But in terms of impact, he is a. If you've watched him play, he is 175. A, he's a ferocious two-way center. He's a big dude and throws his body around quite a bit. I think he's like six three. Yeah. Yeah. So and he's he's got the build to. I think he's going to fill out even more and be downright scary in the middle. So yeah, two good questions and two interesting uh, topics as we wind down. Thanks for the uh, question, James. Appreciate it. Yep. All right. We go to Tim M. Tim M. You are on the front and nationwide podcast. Go ahead. No, can you hear me? Yep. I got you, Tim. All right. So uh, this is a little bit of a a fun question, I think, which we might need at this point in this season. But uh, if you could take any longtime Columbus Blue Jacket player that departed from the 2020 season on, like Seth Jones, uh, Felino, you know, those kind of players like Nyquist, uh, and bring them back for next year, which one would it be? Oh, that's a great one. Um, well, probably given the given the uncertainty on the back end, I mean, I, Part of me says Pierre-Luc Dubois, but I think I think they have the potential to have a dramatically different look at center ice next year. Uh, just by the way things could play out this summer, if they add Fantilli, if they add Bedard, they add Carlson. Um, so I, I would go with Seth Jones. I think they're, I think, and I mean, yeah, I was thinking a goal too, because that suddenly has become a big question too. But, you know, they, Seth Jones is a is a huge loss for them. They knew he would be. Pokefist, I think, has the potential to play up with Wierenski next year. So does Juracek. There's still probably going to be some some rough waters there for a couple of years. This Fosel kid who's making his debut tonight is a really special player and is probably going to be an impact player in the NHL in a year or two. I'm not sure if he's ready next year. He's got some some physical development to go through, but in terms of hockey sense and skill, ooh, he is, he is the real deal. Um, but it's probably gonna be a couple of years before he's an impact NHL guy. So that bridge to replace 
Jones that we've talked so much about. Um, and, you know, they lost Savard, too. I think Savard is probably on the back nine of his career. But it, it, it it's kind of foolish to think that you're going to quickly replace what was the strength on the back end um, easily or quickly. And it, it's proven maybe a little more difficult than they imagined. Your check is going to be in the NHL next year, almost certainly. Is is he up to playing on the top pair with Wierenski? He may end up there. Uh, he'll be 19 years old at the start of the season. He'll turn 25, 20 early in the season. Um, that's a huge ask for a young player to be a top pair defenseman. So I would say Seth Jones, just because I think it patches an immediate immediate fix. I think there could be a long-term answer there, should be a long-term answer there, but that's that's a uh, short-term immediate fix that would go a long way to helping them. Is that what you'd say, Tim? Yeah, I think Seth Jones, uh, honestly, I've, I'm a big David Savard enjoyer too, so um, like a yeah. younger David Savard I think would be great. Gavrikov, like to have him back. Um, and then, yeah, the Corpus Solo as well. So that's exactly along the lines of what I was thinking, but yeah. Thanks again, Portsy. Uh, enjoy your off season. You deserve it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not sure how much of an off season there will be. But it, won't, it won't be a lot of games. Hopefully, there's some good stuff to write about. But thanks, Tim. Yeah. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. Thanks for the questions. Let's go back to the uh, text field. Uh, got a bunch in there now. Keep them coming. Um, we'll go about 45 minutes here. Jonathan O says, "I think it's safe to assume that if Sarnia lost their round, their playoff round in the OHL, he's, he's talking, we would probably would see." Uh, LDBB playing in these last two games as well. Um, well, that is that is interesting. Although I'm not so sure of that as a kid that was just drafted last year. I mean, would they bring him right in? Would they bring Jordan Dumay right in? Maybe they would. Maybe they need the bodies. It could be a PTO ATO type. And, and, and LDBB, by the way, is is uh, Luca Del Bell Blues, uh, the sentiment from Sarnia. I'm not sure where that one stands next year for certain, uh, but he's got another year in the OHL. You may believe it or not, even though he's scored 611 points this year. Oh, wait, I've been corrected. 140 points this year. Um, he's going back to the queue next year, almost certainly. So, anyways. Um, that's where that stands. Adam H. says, is Texier still assumed to be playing next year? Yes, and that is the right word to to use, assumed. Um, I don't know if you caught the note in the Blue Jacket Sunday gathering about his contract, but part of the agreement when the NHL, NHLPA, the Blue Jackets, and his agent agreed to him spending the year in Europe with uh, a club in Switzerland. <laughs> Uh, that's the dog. Hey, please wait your turn and step on the stage if you'd like. I'll bring you in there, buddy. Thank you. Um, part of the agreement was that that they would revisit his contract. I, f- I almost find this hard to believe, but I've been told by the PA that this is correct. I've been told by the agent that this is correct and by the team that this is correct. So I don't know who else to turn to. Um, it just seems hard for me to believe that they would reach a, an agreement on a contract that's just so loosey-goosey with no language. No specific language in it, but they agreed to revisit his contract this year. Is he an RFA? Technically, he is. The club says he isn't, um, and the two sides are going to decide if they just use the final year of his contract or if they rip it up and issue him a qualifying offer or if they sign an extension. I can't imagine, given the uncertainty of 
his playing in the NHL the last couple of years if a long-term deal is in the works. So maybe just a qualifying offer makes sense. Um, but these are things to kick around. So he's not signed. And now my sense is maybe he's not talking until he gets the contract settled, but I don't know. All a guy can do is ask, right? Uh, Randy O says, what is your assessment of line? He has the top six center. Well, very brief. <laughs> We're talking small body of work. Um, and I, I think I've said this before. I don't want to, I don't want to like shoot it down if, if he's excited to do it and the club thinks it's possible. It, it, it all of it struck me as we're bored as hell with this season. Let's do something to make it interesting. I just don't see a situation where next year, if they have Sillinger, Crawley, say Bedard or Fantilli or Carlson, one of those three, Voronkov, Dan Ford, we could go on here, that line A playing center makes any sense. Now, certainly, of those guys I mentioned, only one of them, and he's not even here yet, is a top six proven centerman. I think Sillinger can be a a second-line center, probably, as he matures and grows into the NHL. But line A would be a top six centerman, for sure. That just seems so peculiar for me and I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Um, I think they I think they have the potential with some off season moves this summer. I didn't even mention Jack Roslovic. Uh, if he's traded, if he's back, you've got another center in there. So yeah, maybe we never see line a play center again. That's my sense. Um, Ian M says, how do you think this team will handle injury? prone players any differently next season. Will Boone Jenner's ice time finally go down? Could you see Yarmo adding another NHL ready goalie as insurance? Um, it's a great question. And I think they wanted to, I know they wanted to get Boone Jenner's numbers down this year. You could argue that as bad as this team has been and as far out of it as they've been to play him as much as they did, uh, was irresponsible. That's that's probably a fair argument. They have to find a way to play with less Boone Jenner. As much as you want, as much as you trust him, and I get it from the coach's perspective, it's very easy for a podcaster on a warm, sunny day in the middle of the afternoon to say, play him less. It's much more difficult for a coach in the heat of a battle to see a defensive zone face-off that you really, really, really want to win and not send him out there. I get it. Especially when you lose Corrali for a stretch, right? Who the hell's winning your face-offs down the middle? Um, and it became that at times this year. So I, I get it. it, it they, st- they can't continue to play him this much. You have to also think that maybe him hurting, breaking his thumb and stepping out of the lineup may have spared his back a bit. Maybe this injury flares up earlier. This is all hypothetical, of course. It's all it can be. But how much more of a season did that buy him by taking some stress off his back? He needs to be a 16-minute to 18-minute a guy, night, a night guy. And then maybe you throw caution to the wind in the playoffs because he is a playoff type guy. Um but yeah, they'd love to get there. And maybe maybe if Sillinger has a better year next year and Voronkov arrives, 
and Voronkov can win some defenses on face-offs along with Corrali, then the task won't be as heavy on on Jenner. But that's very important. As for the goalie, that's been my my thought all along. And I asked Yarmo about that the other day. I have a feeling that there's going to be a real there's going to be some difficult conversations with the goalies and the goalie coaches when this season's over. Um, I don't know what all that means. I don't know what they can do. They've hitched their wagon to these guys now by trading Corpusalo. My thought was that they bring in a classic NHL, AHL number three, just in the event that Elvis implodes again next year, as he did this year, multiple times. And, Yarmo's response to that was, well, Jack Greaves looked pretty good. And he did. I, I'm of a mind that Greaves should be fostered the right way. And you need a, if you think back several years to a Matthew Garon or a Curtis Sanford type, um, a guy that can come up and give you some minutes that you don't really, you're not scared to death when he steps into the net. I'm not saying you would be with Greaves. Again, he looked really good. He's so young. you got to raise him the right way. I think another year in the American Hockey League is is perfect for him, um, but this year, this next year, it's going to be Merzlikens and Tarasov unless something dramatic changes between now and then. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Josh P says, I sat behind Chicago's coach Luke Richardson at the Cubs game yesterday afternoon and told him thank you and great win last night. He nodded his head at me. I'm doing the Lord's work. Don't worry. Well, Lukey is, is a hell of a guy, and I had the chance to cover... Luke Richardson, when he was the captain in Columbus, he had the captain's C actually stripped from him in Columbus, which was an eye-opener. Um, but he is a, a resolute dude, and he loves Columbus, by the way. I hope you mentioned you're from Columbus. Maybe you didn't. He has very strong feelings about the city. Uh, enjoyed his time here. Thanks, dog. Um, Adam H. says, I think Blue Jackets would be set to capitalize best and have the most immediate success with but Bedard on their team compared to the other potential top pick teams. All right, Adam, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets would like to hire you for the front office. If you can apply for a job soon, Johnny H says, do you have a contingency plan if Twitter continues to spiral downward? Uh, totally serious question. Um, I, I don't honestly have a contingency plan. Um, no, I, I don't. I, I mean, I have an Instagram account. I suppose I could, start moving over to different social medias. Um, and I, I, I don't really, I'm not really one to obsess over the blue check mark. I'm not one to pay for it either. So if that goes away, I don't know what, I don't really know what that means. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I guess, I guess I've learned in these recent years to just sort of go day by day and see what calamity awaits. Um, but no contingency plan for now. Um, how much of Yarmo's offseason strategy is depending on the lottery? Do you think he's aggressive with trades and signings if they draft top three, and more conservative if they slide to four or lower? Well, I think he is 
intent on fixing their center ice position and obviously finishing with the top three pick, maybe top four if Carlson slides, is imperative to that. Um, if failing that, if, if they can't bank on getting one of those three centers, I don't know if they draft another center. Will Smith's name has, has surfaced. Um, if he, if they think he's NHL ready, I don't get that sense. I think from what I gather, the only two that are truly bona fide NHL ready are Fantilli and, and Bedard, but I guess we shall see. Um, I think they're going to fix that center ice position one way or the other. But at this point, yes, the the entry draft is is a huge part of that. And they'll know by May 8th, right? They'll know how this is going to go by May 8th. If they pick fourth and there's some uncertainty there, and I don't think you bank on getting a guy that helps you this year, although it could have worked that way. Um, but that's worst-case scenario. That's why, honestly, I, I mean, I'm just saying what other people are feeling. They lose these next two games in regulation. Um, those it could be two of the great benefit for this club for years to come. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Um, this is right in front of them, and I know yada yada yada. Players try to win every game. I get it. Um, don't be heroes, boys. It's right in front of you, and and we should say every time we we talk like this. Nothing they do can guarantee them the number one pick. But if they finish dead last, they for sure have a top three pick. And in that case, worst case scenario, they get Leo Carlson. Okay. And that's a pretty good worst case. Best case, they get Bedard or Fantilli. And that's, that's, that has the potential to fix them down the middle and fix them offensively for many years to come. Um, Let's see here. Coaches and Jonathan S. Coaches and hockey podcasts are always talking about defensive systems. We always talk about the inexperienced personnel on a CBJ defense, but can you please explain the idea of these systems? And doesn't some of our defensive trouble have to be, uh, I think it's laid. It's, it's, I think there's a typo in there at the feet of the coaches and their systems. Well, Jonathan, I would say this and, and, You know, you can look at it two different ways. This team was an absolutely dreadful, dreadful defensive team at the start of the season. That's not just the defense, okay? Everyone's responsible for defending. That includes the forwards. But the, the defense on this group is so young to start with. And then it got absolutely gutted by injuries, worse than any other area of the ice, maybe goaltending. But to lose Wierenski, I mean, again, I, I, I know people, it sounds like you're making excuses for people, but imagine the Browns, the Cleveland Browns, this is my other point of reference, if they lost Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb, Joel Batonio, right, and pick three other players, star players, like you can't, players matter in the pros. Their top players matter. When you're the Columbus Blue Jackets, Zach Wierenski matters, and he matters more to you because you're so young and thin back there than the best players do on other teams. So 
it's devastating when you lose that guy. But then on top of that, you lose Boakvist, who's pro- definitely on this group, a top four. You lose Jake Bean, which doesn't sound like a huge loss because J- what has Jake Bean done in his career? But he's a guy you're banking on playing a regular shift for you as the Blue Jackets. Give up a second-round pick for him. He's a pretty good player. And he's done less than a month into the season. You lose Blankenberg. Now you've lost Good Branson. I mean, that and, and Good Branson, as much as people love to pile on and shit on the contract, he turned out to be a very important player for them this year and played better, frankly, than I think most people thought he still had in him. Um, so, it, yes, it, it isn't good enough. And they're still so green and so unproven and so unsettled back there. Like, I don't even know how to make sense of who plays with who and who's on the right side because it's just so jumbled and and it's it's played out so poorly because of all the injuries. Um, and it has to be better. Of course it has to be better. But this, the worst part about this season is it's the the losing, of course, but it's the fact that you don't know any more about Jake Bean now than you did a year ago. You know just a little bit more about Boakfast than you did a year ago. And I have to say, I, I kind of like what we've learned about him. He looks pretty good. You've learned what about some of these other guys who've just, like, Peak has played out of position because they've needed him to. Gavrikov played higher than he needed to. It probably hurt his trade value because he did. All of these things have an impact. Um, I don't. I don't think it's a systems failure, and I don't think it's the coaches don't know how to teach the players how to play. I just don't. I think where are they at now? I think they've had six, fifteen or sixteen defensemen play for them this year. That's almost three units worth of defensemen. That's insane. No one goes that deep, and so when you start putting, you know, Tim Bernie in for 50, 60 games, when Marcus Bjork is running your power play a month into the season, Marcus Bjork is running your power play a month into the season. Uh, Billy Sweezy's coming up for some games. I kind of like what I see there, but these are these are guys that have not cracked an NHL lineup when, when it's fully healthy. And that matters. And, and so, I, you know, are they a zone team that needs to play man to man? Did they get crossed up early in the season? There were times, oh, there were times where you're like, "How does Nathan McKinnon get that open? How does how do you forget about number eighty seven for the Penguins? What's his name, Crosby? How do you forget about Sidney Crosby there, wide open in the right circle? They were having these just unreal breakdowns, and honestly, I think that's gotten a little bit better. Like the system seems to have adhered a little bit. But now you're just you're talking about teams that are playing just really outmanned on a nightly basis. And it, it'll be that way again tonight. So it's really hard. And I, I hope you saw the story we had today from yeah, quoting Yarmo Kekalein and saying that Brad Larson won't be in a coaching staff, won't be evaluated purely on wins and losses. And I get what he's saying. I, I understand the sentiment because it's it's unfair. It's if you thought this was your lineup and you think this is a winning NHL lineup, then you better believe you judge the the coaches on it because wins and losses are all that matter. But you're he's coached an AHL lineup most of the season, and that's that's the result of I think there are over 550 man games lost to injury. Now 47 different players have played. It's just been a 
It's been a disaster. No other way to put it. Uh, let's step back to the stage here. We'll go like another 15 or 20 minutes. We've got Jonathan R. with us. Jonathan, you are on the Front and Nationwide podcast. Please go ahead. Kate, can you hear you, Forty? Gotcha, Jonathan. How are you? Good. How about yourself? Good, man. Good. Awesome. Um, so a couple things. The, the first thing that I, I kind of wanted to comment, I guess, about as much as anything, is it drives me crazy when I see people complain about, like, teams tanking, and they include Columbus in there, because while, you know, fans are rooting for the tank, Columbus at no point in this season, to me, had any intentions on doing so. I mean, they only moved out pending UFAs. They didn't trade any RF guys with term or RFAs, things like that, to get rid of that like other teams did. And it's this season's basically been entirely about injury. So just anytime somebody says that they that Columbus tanked intentionally, it's because they clearly did not follow them at all. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's fair. I'll also say this if you watch Chicago play or Anaheim play, when that management may have may have tanked, and I think Columbus management is okay with them losing games. I think they understand the situation. But if you watch the Ducks or the Blackhawks or even the Sharks play lately, they are, they're not very good. Columbus isn't very good. They're playing their asses off. They are playing their asses off and, and giving teams as much as they can handle. You're not seeing that among the players. Yeah. Uh, and I, although I will say Anaheim is the most suspect because they're on a 12-game losing streak, I think, right now. Last time they won was against the Blue Jackets, um, including a game against Colorado where they – we're up two goals and just started taking penalties like crazy at the end of the game. But uh, I'm sure that, like you said, it's not tanking by the players. They're just really bad. Yeah. So um, with that, I, I kind of wanted to bring up, because I know, I've seen a lot of stuff talking about lately about like how they want to change the draft because they don't want to encourage tanking and this, that, and the other. Um, and I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on whether you think that, that they should – that that's a real problem that needs to be addressed. Um, I I don't think it is because I think part of it's just because of who is at the top of the draft this year, and then again also because players don't really tank. And as a fan, I mean I'm a lot more engaged than if they were eliminated with a few weeks left and playing for the 12th spot or whatever in the in the yeah. draft. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. This is far more engaging. Yeah. Watching other games and everything. So. Excellent. Yeah, well, it's yeah. a good question, and it, it's something the league has fought with for a while now. I I don't think there should be any broad decisions made based upon this year because I think people are. I think honestly, I think people are getting it wrong. Um, I don't think there is a team that is intentionally intentionally losing to get Bedard solely. If it ends up that way, that's delightful. But the worst team has a one in four chance of doing it. So that's not a wise way to do business. It's like banking on the Ohio lottery for your retirement. It just it, it's not a feasible way to go with the top two. And it's Carlson at the top. And Mitchkov is a, is a special player too, if somebody wants to wait a couple of years for him. But what teams like Columbus see. It, it's, they've got a shot at Bedard for sure, which is great because the last time they had the worst record in the league, the two guys at the top were Niall Yakupov and Ryan Murray. Not a great draft. This year, great draft. So teams are more compelled to not try to win at the management level 
than in a normal year. But they're not doing it just for that 25% chance. They're doing it because there's a chance there's some really good players at the top. I was told the other day that last year's number one pick, Yuri Slykovsky, could go this year as low as seven or eight overall, which gives you an idea of how much better this year's draft is. This is a great draft. And so I think that's what's compelling people more than just Bedard. So if, if the believe me, if the Blue Jackets land at number two, <laughs> then, you know, okay, there's mild disappointment. They're going to be freaking fired up because Adam Fantilli is going to be a hell of a player. In fact, I think a really good question for people to ponder right now is, if you could be assured of picking number two right now, would you cash that in, or do you go for Bedard, even though you could slide to three or four? And I think there's a lot of teams that would take Fantilli in that, in that scenario. They'd rather have Bedard. I'm not saying that. But they, Fantilli is much more, much more than just a consolation prize. And so I think this draft is just, I don't want to say it's unique, but it's every five, six, ten years. Um, not every year. It, I think the I think the lottery odds as they are right now are pretty fair. I don't like the idea of the team with the tenth worst team having a chance to win the lottery. I think you should be able to move up from like six to one, not ten to one. I think they could tweak that a little bit, but I, I really at twenty five point five percent is your best chance to win number one. That doesn't seem over the top to me, and I think. If this draft were just about Bedard, uh, I'm not sure you'd see quite as many teams going after it like this. Jonathan, thanks for the question. We've got uh, Scott G. Um, yeah, I mean, first of all, I think I would definitely take the number two overall pick right right now if you could cash that in, especially thinking about um, like size, the size of our of the Blue Jackets. I feel like we have a lot of like high skill, smaller guys at the moment. Um, so, you know, with Fantilli's size being a number one center, I feel like that's just, like, perfect. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I, you know, thinking about the season, I think the worst thing about it is currently the fan base is actively having to cheer against their own team. You know, every time the Blue Jackets score, I'm angry. And every time we let out, you know, let in an easy goal, I'm, like, pumped up. And that feels very, <laughs> very wrong. Um, yeah. You know, so I, I would love some sort of alternate system. And I've read things about like, uh, you know, like arguments where like, Oh, if you, if you could d declare that you are now playing for uh, the draft, you know, now wins count towards the draft. And that way you can actually like potentially cheer for your team, you know, you know, like where, where you're getting draft lottery odds for winning by the time you're out of the playoffs or something like, you know, there's like alternate systems, and I'm also I'm I'm wondering to get your thoughts on the uh, like the NBA style play in system for the playoffs. Um, and yeah, so just generally like, are there other systems for playoffs and for draft lottery that are being considered or uh, that you would support that are kind of like off the wall ideas? Um, and specifically, yeah, the NBA style play in system. I'm wondering what you think about that. Yeah, well, thanks for the question. We I know the league has kicked these around, and there's been a couple of proposals from GMs about playing 
rounds and adding it, you know, an earlier round of the playoffs. <laughs> Excuse me. I don't, I'm not a fan of that just because I feel like the season is long, if not too long already. I think if, you, if you're going to do that, I think you cut the season back to 72 or 76 games. Um, because after 82 games, you know, right? You've had enough time to show yourself and prove to yourself. I feel that way about baseball, too. I don't like the manufactured playing crap. I, I like division winners go because um, you play that many games. And hockey is sort of, you know, halfway to baseball in terms of the number of games that they play. Um, for me, I, I, I would fancy a move back to the top eight in the conference. Eight plays one, seven plays two, six plays three, five plays four, and, and you move on from there. I'm not a huge fan of the system right now. I understand why the league uh, instituted it, where where teams are playing where two, three plays each other and four, one plays each other. Um, I get it. They're trying to create division rivalries. I don't think it's taken hold, frankly. Um, I don't know if that's just they need to stick with it more. Um, one of the reasons they went away from this is, you know, some of the teams ended up playing the Islanders or Edmonton every year early on. They were really good teams and couldn't get out of the first round. <laughs> Maybe if Toronto loses to Tampa, to uh, Tampa again in the first round, in the first round, the league's going to change that because uh, the Leafs going late into the playoffs is is good business and good business they have not had in that respect since two thousand and four. Holy Lord! Um, but I I don't mind. I think 16 teams out of 32 getting into the playoffs is plenty. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's been 16 for a number of years now. It was way too many teams made the playoffs, my opinion. Um, back in the days when there were 21 teams and 16 made the playoffs. You hear in hockey all the time, it's so hard to make the playoffs. And it's like, no, no, you got to be average. You got to be top 16 in the league. That's really what it is. Um, average teams get in every year. It, it's not, you don't have to be great. Um, it's just when you're perpetually awful, average seems pretty impressive. Um, so I think 16 is fine. I just, I would go back to eight one and I, I do not like the playing games. I, I think there are enough teams in the playoffs as there are. The only way I could possibly even listen to that is if they cut the season, uh, the regular season. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I feel like um, what I like about the play-in game is like the idea is it's one game or two games, depending, and then like whoever loses doesn't technically make the playoffs, so it's still sixteen. But what it does, it creates all these late late in the season games. Right now, it makes them matter. Like right now, the playoffs are set, and yet we have two or three days left in the season. So like that argument, I'm like, I'm all about it because. You know, right now it's like there's almost no point to watch hockey unless you're the Blue Jackets. Yeah. You're hoping you lose. So yeah, yeah. But there's only two know. games left. Very true. So you know, pros and cons. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, Scott. Appreciate the question. Thank you. Yep. Have a good day. Uh, let's go quickly to Joe S. Is there? Hello, Joe. Hey, can you hear me, Forty? Gotcha, man. Hey, uh, yeah. Question for you is: What do you expect out of Pittsburgh tonight? Um, and do you know if they're making any change up to their lineup? Yeah, so I don't really know what to expect because uh, this is new. This is uncharted territory for them. Um, I don't. My sense is that their guys are playing. 
And so, but I don't know how, how what that's going to look like. I mean, if they're pissed off, if they're, I don't, I can't imagine Crosby, Malkin, and Latang mailing it in. Um, Tristan Jerry is the starter. I mean, they had an optional skate this morning, and just a few guys went, so it was hard to read from that. Um, I'm seeing a report from Josh Getzoff, the play-by-play, who says uh, that Marcus Pedersen and Drew O'Connor will play. So I'm not sure what that means as in who is out, but I, I my senses are they're dressing a pretty close to regular lineup. Let's gotcha. go. Well, to, that, that is good to hear. Yeah. Well, thanks for the question, Joe. All right, we're going to go to Philip N. All right. Um, my question was: We obviously have. Um, Cleveland playing very important and meaningful games on Friday, which is the same day that we have the Buffalo game. That's right. That uh, game against Buffalo could very well determine the lottery seating. Yeah, I based on the clinching scenarios, it looks very unlikely that we'll have the thirty-second best odds locked up tonight. How do you see? Um, the Blue Jackets organization handling the movement of players from Columbus to Cleveland and which players do you think would be moved between those organizations? Well, it's a, uh, a mystery for sure. The sense I get, and no one has said this, it just makes so much sense to me is that the guys who are here are the guys who are here. They're already here. No sense sending guys out tonight to bring up other guys tomorrow. Let's let's play this thing out. So uh, Putia is here. Angle is here. They recalled Sweezy, uh, Kanazko, Svozl. They may have to recall somebody else, depending upon Roslovic, as we noted. They think he's going to play tonight. Who knows what happens tonight injury-wise? It is this season, after all. Um, so I don't know if they have to recall more, but my sense is that these are the guys that are going to be here because it just wouldn't make much sense to, to ship four guys up and, and, and send more guys back. You need them to play. So if they play tonight and tomorrow, they may have Saturday off too, because I don't think they're going to play four games in a row and the monsters play Sunday, their finale. So it's something to watch for sure. Uh, there's no good answer. We talked to Brad Larson about this yesterday. It, it has to, these recalls have to be merit-based. That cannot change. Um, that's how the system has to work. You can't call up the, the least deserving worst player from Cleveland and reward that player. That sends the absolute wrong message. So. I like what they've done. They've rotated it around. They've called up the guys that they feel are deserving. And here they are. They've left Yurichek and Fix Wolanski down in Cleveland, the best forward, the best defenseman. So they still have a chance, but those two guys have had a chance to play up here as well, and they get a nice payday for it. So th- that's my read of the situation. But, you know, c- come along with me, if you will, Philip, and we'll see after the game tonight and tomorrow if, they, if that's how they handle things. Sounds good. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, Philip. I appreciate it. Andrew, why? Let's try this again. I think we got you again. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know what's happened, but um, so quick question here. So yeah. uh, moving to the moving to the off season, I, I know that lefty is obviously a, a big priority, but it, it seems like there's other things that need to change on the back end as well, other than just adding a left D, like a top four left D. Um, do you see them targeting anybody, you know, on the right D side instead of like putting your check up on the on the first pair or even the second pair to start off with? Because I know your check's coming along, but would you be your sense that it, they would also be looking for somebody else as well to pair with Wierenski for maybe like the first, like a season or two? Um, uh, well, yeah, let me say this. I, I think, I think the ad on the defense is going to be the left side in Gavrikov's old spot. And I don't think, may, maybe I'm wrong. I, I think that right side, if it does get fixed, is fixed via trade. So another right side defenseman with a forward and a draft pick or two forwards and a right side defenseman for that right side guy that can play on the top pair. Um, those guys don't move much. They don't hit free agency. They don't get traded very much top pair guys because they're so vital to teams. Um, now, if someone has wicked cap problems and Columbus can send them three players for the price of one, I mean, that's what they're always looking for and have rarely been able to land. So I don't bank on that. But my sense is that they're going to find someone to replace Gavrikov. And then the right side will, would be taken care of either by trade or as Boquist, um, Juracek, and you know, peak or Blankenberg or figure it out on the right side. Um, because, you know, they've got some players coming. They do have some players coming. Your check's going to be a top pair guy before too long. Can you, can you yeah. Do, yeah. Do you and I, I, bank on that or do you build a bridge to it is the, is the age old question. Yeah. I mean, cause, but, but the, we've always, we've always had a habit as an organization to rush prospects and you just don't want to like, you know, I, I think the wrong thing would be to do is put rear check up on the top line, like right away and, and just, and, and just, I mean, obviously crush him, put him against the top, you know, sure. everybody else. And, and so that was kind of my thinking. And I don't think really Boquist is Boquist has played it, but you know, I, I think he still has some growth to do and peaks definitely sure. not, the, not the top pair and Cabranes is not. So you just can't really no. see anybody else yeah. who could who'd actually, you know, balance that out. And I'll, yeah. on the second, well, sorry, I mean, I'll say this. I, that that's it's not going to be perfect next year, right? And, but, and it's it, when you restart it like this or refresh it or whatever the hell you want to call it, you go through these years where it can't be perfect, where you've got to grow into it. And so you know you have to ask yourself, what is Boakvist's ceiling, and how long does it take him to get there? Um, and the, I would argue the argument on Yurichek, I don't know if he's going to be ready to play top pair NHL next year, but he has been raised differently than some first round picks in the past and that he has spent a full year in the AHL. And that that's not nothing. That's, that's a significant form of development. He may need more time there. He may. And we'll, I, we'll all see that. I, I'm with you. I don't think you can bank on a 19 year old kid at the start of the season being ready to play on the top pair. Um, but I think he's going to get a look there and who knows he, he may be ready or he may be the best that they've, God, and you just you have to watch it. And if he starts to get overwhelmed, he looked overwhelmed again in New Jersey. Then again, so did a lot of players um, when they took him out of the lineup the first time. 
but there's been a lot of growth since then. Yeah. And then the second question, I mean, you, you hear all this conversation of rumors, and I know you addressed it before about the whole Kevin Hayes thing. So it, it tells me that they're also looking for what John Davidson, what, what every fan here of CBJ has been saying is, is obviously the center issue. Obviously we, I don't think Kevin Hayes is that answer. So could no. you, could, could you see, could you see also, even if we land a top three, you're not going to stick that person into the, you know, in first line center, like right away. And you're not going to stick them into the second line. You probably start them on the third, kind of what you did with, with Sillinger and work their way up, depending. Obviously, Bedard, that may be a little bit different. You'd stick them maybe on the second. But would you see them also uh, attempting to go after or, or somebody, um, you know, uh, you know, somebody that, you know, some free agent or some uh, um, some center that uh, um, that would be available? Maybe, maybe it's from Calgary or somebody else for, who are looking at possibly throwing some people out there. Would you see us going after somebody like like that? Yeah. Well, I, I think this sort of falls along the same lines as that defenseman question. Those top centers, they don't hit the market. I mean, who's the last number one center that got moved? Is it Dubois? Like, they – and he forced his way out of town. I mean, they don't – those guys don't – come available either by free agent or by trade. Cause once teams get them, cause teams typically have to go through what the blue jackets are going through right now to get them. That's the sad truth of it. So I, I don't see them trading or acquiring a number one center in other ways other than the draft. And I would say that you draft a Bedard or a Fantilli and they are your number one center when they become your number one center, which could be pretty quickly. Well, what what, I would, what I'd be saying is not a, trying to attempt to get a number one center, be like a two center that's really high that could play like the low end one. Um, yeah, but they they actually are a two, but they roll to a two because obviously the wear and tear on 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 Jenner and it's not not like you're blaming us back problems, but you you don't want to rush somebody a top three pick into that, and you don't want to keep like logging even though they talk about last year of not logging that many minutes with, with Jenner, he's been right up there with the same amount of thing. And, he, uh, and, and obviously yes. somebody with back issues, that's not something you get better. It gets better. You just try to maintain it. You try to not make it worse. Yeah. And you know, Boone is not going to say, Hey coach, dial me back. Yeah. He has no, he has no off switch. That's, that's correct. No, he's not going there. He's not going there. I just, to me, like I get it. And, if, if you're the GM of the team, you want to fix their defense right now. And you want that. You want a top defenseman, but only for a couple of years until your check's available. You want a top center for a reasonable price, but only for a couple of years until the kids you draft this year is ready. That That's overly wishful thinking because those guys are extremely expensive if they're even available. And the contracts are such that I'm not sure they'd have room for to fix all three of those when when the priority is going to be on the back end and drafting the centerman. That's that's my sense of it. But we'll see. All right. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, let's go through some questions here real quick. Try to wrap it up by two o'clock. I certainly appreciate all the questions. Um, Alex D says. Uh, what is Voronkov's ceiling expected to be? Do they see him as more of a fourth-line kind of guy or something more? My sense is they see him as a third-line kind of guy. Um, maybe, maybe high-end, maybe high-end 
number two, but probably number three is the, uh, is the hope. Um, thoughts on Boone's future next season. Any chance he's moved? Um, moved, meaning traded. I don't see Yarmo Kekalainen trading Boone Jenner. I just don't. I think his, his value to this team is too much. I think his contract is too good. He's the captain. I think there are just a litany of reasons not to trade him. Plus, you know you could play him in the middle if you have to. And he could move to the wing as well. Uh, Ron Ellis says, Porty, do you think with Voronkov coming in and hopefully a top three pick coming in at center, do you think Jenner gets shifted back to the wing? I just thought he was a perfect middle six wing. Well, Ron, I'm with you there. Um, I think there is a chance, yes. I think that's the, the long-term look, frankly. Um, and see what it looks like. If it's Bedard and Fantilli, then I, those guys go into the middle, you would think. There are some people who think Bedard might be a winger in the NHL. I, I, I'm not going to begin to guess. I'm not certainly going to say because the kid's 5'10 and a half that he's for sure a wing and not a centerman. Uh, I don't know why I would limit it that, that way. I mean, I'll be damned if I'm going to tell Connor Bedard there's something he can't do. Uh, have we not learned that with some of these, these people, some of these players? Um, so yeah, if, if, uh, cylinders ready, if they land a number one center, Bronkov comes over, it is feasible to see Boone Jenner as your first or second line winger. And how about a Jenner Bedard Gaudreau line or Jenner Bedard line or Marchenko line? I, I think that would be uh, just perfect, especially with a player like Jenner that can step in for defensive zone faceoffs. Not that Bedard is a liability, but you may want him taking some of those, especially early in the season. Uh, Ryan M says, "What kind of offseason do you expect the CBJ to have? Do you expect them to be aggressive?" Yes, I think my summer is going to suck, honestly, <laughs> and I say that in the best way. Um, I don't think there's going to be a lot of feet up and iced teas on the hammock. Put it that way. Um, I think they're going to be busy. I think there's going to be a lot of changes and. Uh, I'm planning to do some significant travel to to ferret some of it out. Chad T says, is Rick Nash aspiring to be a GM or just a head of scouting? Just wondering if Yarmo's grooming Nash to eventually take over for him when JD eventually retires. Yeah, I think Nash wants to be a GM for sure. I think he has said as much. Uh, so let's see. Chris S says they have... That's not a question. Why were they, why were they this year in being I don't know you're going there. Going for there. Um, Philip W., what are the chances my conspiracy theory is correct? McConnell instructed Yarmour to move out Voracek's deal so they could save exactly enough money next year to be able to fund the winterization of the shoe. Whoa, Philip, that is. I have to say, in 2023, as a conspiracy uh, theory goes, that's pretty mild. <laughs> that's pretty mild. Uh, it could have gone any number of directions. I, I'll say I don't have evidence of that. <coughs> Hello, allergies. Um, but yeah, interesting. Um, what's the feeling on Bjork? Seems like a liability at times, but has a great motor. This is from Mitchell H. Um, you know, I think he's been great. I think they've got a better read on some of these guys. Um, it'll be very interesting to see what some of the recalls look like next year, how they view these guys in terms of the depth chart. Um Let's see. Matt C says, I'm crazy. Am I crazy for preferring Fantilli over Bedard? Um, no, you're not crazy. You are um, out there on your own a bit, though. 
but that's that's cool. Um, I got no beef with that. Uh, well, Ryan W is also a Fantilli fan. Uh, last week you mentioned Graves as a defenseman, CBJ could target. Is that based off any inside info or just speculation? That is informed speculation. How's that? How's that for bleeding the two? Um, Dominic B says, is anyone at the athletic looking into the death of Matvey Michkov's father? The circumstances seem suspicious. Well, as you can imagine, it is a difficult story to report from here. Um, I can tell you people are looking into it as always. I'm not sure what will be learned um, from that, uh, but it's a sad story. It is. And you certainly feel for the kid taking all of the draft stuff out of the equation. You feel for the kid. Uh, James B says, if Taves is available, do we take a look to buy uh, Bedard? I think that's Bedard time to learn behind a great. Um, certainly the Blue Jackets should send him a thank you card. If my suspicion is right that this Blackhawks finish, including tonight against Philadelphia, is motivated by Jonathan Taves' last games with the Chicago Blackhawks. He has had a remarkable career. My sense is it's Blackhawks are done for him. I don't see him playing anywhere else. Um, he's had a remarkable career. He's a legend of a player. Um, and full full respect for the things he's been able to accomplish. And I love the way that the, the, the dude is wired. Um, he's the kind of guy you want at the top of your team. Um, that's it for, for this week's Front and Nationwide. Thanks so much for taking part. Thanks for the questions. Thanks for uh, stepping up on the stage. If you did, we'll be back again next week and uh, look forward to chatting with you then. Take care, everybody.